Powerful at Work Radio, episode 45. Welcome to Powerful at Work Radio, the podcast for professionals who see their work as a calling. I'm your host, Rosa Ponce de Leon, and together we'll explore how people can position themselves to make a real difference with their work. We will cover topics ranging from leadership to emotional wellness to what true power looks like and everything in between. If you're ready to do work differently, tune in and join the movement. Now let's get after it. Dove Barron, with his 30 years of experience, was nothing short of a great conversation and we went on for quite a while and therefore we have come to you with two episodes, not just one. With that said, the first episode is primarily uh, a perspective about what's going on globally with leadership and the fact that we do have a leadership crisis and maybe come off with some pointers of how we can turn things around. Tune in for the second episode where we will get into a conversation about emotional intelligence and go even deeper into the layers of leadership. Dove Barron is the Dragonist, Inc. Magazine Top 100 Leadership Speaker, number one Fortune 500 podcast host, Entrepreneur Magazine contributor, Loyalty Authority, and he's guiding us on how to recognize and nurture dragons, which is a top talent hidden in our organizations. A dragon leader is not a position. It's someone who is always pushing to improve and wants those they serve to reach their full potential. Dove's humor and no BS style is contagious. As a master storyteller, he is considered to be the leading authority on actualized leadership. Actualized leadership means getting the results you set out to achieve in the most meaningful manner. Working with diverse leaders and executive teams, Dove filters common bonds to create fiercely loyal cultures. You can't achieve loyalty without meaning and talent only to stay when they feel they are a part of something larger than themselves. Besides being a best-selling author of One Red Thread and Fiercely Loyal, How High-Performing Companies Develop and Retain Top Talent, Dove has been named one of Inc. Magazine's Top 100 Leadership Speakers to Hire and as one of the Top 30 Global Leadership Gurus. He has spoken to the UN, the World Management Forum in Iran, New York National Speakers Association, and the Servant Leadership Institute. In June of 1990, while free rock climbing, Dove fell approximately 120 feet and landed on his face. The impact shattered most of the bone structure on his face, and after 10 reconstructive surgeries, no external evidence remains. However, the experience wasn't just life-changing, it has been completely transformational. Dove shares how dragons are born in fire, experiences that could potentially destroy you, and instead can birth purpose, passion, and hunger to champion others to nurture the dragon fire in ourselves, our families, and our communities, and our companies. Dove believes the world needs more dragon leaders committed to living their purpose, standing in their truth, and empowering others to find their fire and do the same. Dove Baron, I'm so excited to have you on the show. Welcome. Thank you, Rosa. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm excited to be with you and your audience and to see what I can share and possibly add value. Just a little bit, given your background, I wanted to ask you right off the bat, just because you obviously live in Canada and you've spoken at the UN, you've had so much exposure to global leadership. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to get your take on where we are. Where where do you see us? Do you think we have a leadership crisis right now in in the world? In the world, I think we definitely have a leadership crisis. As you know, I do speak on leadership and speak on politics and advise many of these people in those worlds. And there's definitely a leadership crisis. But you have to look at a leadership crisis is always generated by the people. So, you know, 
you can't be a leader and be a dictator if you don't have the opportunity for that. So it's very easy to point the finger and say this person is a bad leader. Let's take, for instance, Bolsonaro, who's the leader of Brazil. Because we're talking globally for a second. So you go, oh, he's a terrible leader. He's a dictator. Yeah, but he is in place because the people put him in place. Okay, well, how did they put him in place? Because people allowed the situation to get so bad that they're looking for somebody to rescue them. And we live in a world right now where people are either living in this cancel culture of feeling like they need to be victims constantly, or they're completely rebelling against that. And so if somebody comes along and says, I'm not going to be a victim, then that seems like a hero. It's not a hero, but it seems like one. So we're not looking at politics or leadership in the context of uh, politics, but leadership generally from a place of sober, being sober about it and saying, okay, are these people here to serve or are these people here to serve themselves? Servant leadership means that I am in communication with those that I serve and that what they need comes first. And until we remove uh, money from politics and from leadership, you're never going to get to that. Okay, I'm so tracking with you on all fronts here. But let, <laughs> let's go back to the individual because you're yeah. basically not giving people a, a way out. Like, we are not victims to bad leadership. We put these people in power. And looking just at America with the election we had in 2020 and the, the situation, my biggest frustration on a personal level is how in the heck did we generate these two options? Are these our best? Well, and I fully agree with you. The challenge is that it's a closed system. So first of all, Let's suggest that there's a third party. If there's a third party, most people, you have to think about politics as, as being a religion. There are people who are born and say, oh, I'm a Republican because everybody in my family is a Republican. There are people who are born and say, I'm a Catholic because everybody in my family is a Catholic. That doesn't mean that that's what you are. But most people don't bother to think beyond that. And they also don't bother to look beyond the label. So people say, you know, Catholic is very bad because they were fiddling with kids. Yeah, but that's not every Catholic. People say that the police are bad because there, there's violence. Yes, that's true, but it's not every police person. So not, right. therefore, not every Republican is, is that way. Not every Democrat is the other way. It's looking mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. something deeper. And that is what we have the control and the power over as individuals. We have to decide right. this is not good enough and we're not going to tolerate it. And if you remove the finances from, from politics, you get a very different uh, position. Totally. So let, let's talk about that. Why do we depend so much for financial stability? Why do we ask the government to settle that for us? Why do we ask to be rescued? Well, because the situation has been set up that way. There's no doubt about that. But let's just let's backtrack that a little bit so people can understand and grasp the context here. Okay. When we talk about looking for the government to rescue us, yes, I think that in a situation like the pandemic where people have not been able to go to work, yes, they need some level of help, assistance. But there's something I call, just a quick background a little bit, I grew up in extreme poverty as a child, and we received some charity and it never felt good. But I can also tell you that without it, we would have probably starved. So right. charity doesn't feel good, but it is needed. Now, there's mm-hmm. something in between. It's called dignity money. Dignity mm-hmm. money is where somebody can have money, but there's some dignity with it rather than feeling like it's mm-hmm. a handout. And that's a system that we need 
to find a way to put in place. If you're paying people five, six, seven bucks an hour, that's no, there's no dignity in that. And in some places in the right. United States, there is no minimum wage. Waitresses go to work and live on tips, and they've got a couple of kids. That's impossible. There's no dignity in that. Right. So the number one thing is we, when we talk about leadership, leadership is about being a really great leader, is understanding that you are there as permission. You are there to give permission. So if you as a leader are taking bribes, if you as a leader are taking care of yourself, if you as a leader are not giving a crap about anybody else, then that's what you're giving permission to those that you lead. So we need to approach leadership from a place of service and dignity. And until we do that, we're not going to really see any real changes. That's the problem. And that is back again on us. We have to say enough. We're not, we're not doing this anymore. Absolutely. And we have to set our foot down and demand better leadership for ourselves. But what, where do we start? Because I go back to, and I understand the concept of closed system, but we can, we can vote on certain people, but there's a process in place that eliminates other people. And I think it does come back to the finances because there's a lot of fundraising, a lot of stuff that has to happen even to be in the running and, and be successful. Uh, where do we start to take away that financial piece? Well, first of all, you have to limit terms, which it doesn't exist right now. So we have to limit Mm -hmm. terms so that people can not turn themselves into political as a politics as a career that they have to earn that every single time. Number one, you have Mm -hmm. to create much stricter rules around because most Mm -hmm. of the laws are actually written by lobbyists and many of your politicians will simply sign off on that. So that's another thing. Then you've got Citizens United. And Citizens United allowed corporations to appear as people. So now when you put all those Mm. things together, what you've got is the original, one of the things I fell in love with the United States about as a kid, and I first started following their politics when I was about 10, was this idea of, was a, it's actually a Roman idea, but the idea was a government of the people, by the people, for the people. That's what it was. Mm -hmm. Now it's a government of the corporation, by the corporation, for the corporation. And that is great for the corporation, but it's terrible for the human beings. Now, how do we end up in this place? That's a big question. If I may go there for a moment, is it okay? Yes. So how we went there was this. There's a thing. I fell in love with it. You did too. Most of us did. And it's called the American dream. The idea mm-hmm. was, now remember, I grew up in the UK as a very poor boy, and I saw these American people who seemed to come from nothing and become mega successful. That was the American mm-hmm. dream, this idea that a person could rise themselves up from working class all the way to the top echelons of, of the world. And I thought, well, this is amazing. I lived in the UK where class was very defined. So... Mm. This American dream became actually a global dream. People wanted the American dream throughout the world. And I'm the example of that. The problem with it is that it became nihilistic. It became so self-focused. So the idea that we should have a state that takes care of people became, well, no, you're just going to take care of yourself. Well, you can't pull yourself up by your bootstraps if you don't have any boots, let alone the straps. Mm. So... The challenge with it is that, again, we've gone away from dignity and we've bought into this nihilistic idea of materialism. And, you know, Mm. I I will tell you that I'm in business, so clearly I am. money's a part of my focus. 
but humanity is a greater focus. So if I have to pay a little more tax so that somebody on the bottom end of that rung has the boots for the bootstraps, let's do that. Let's give people the dignity to to come back. In 1982, there was the beginning of what was called the Great Divide. It was the economic divide. And if you look back at economics and politics, you will see that since 1982, the gap between the ultra-wealthy and the ultra-poor is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And who falls through the gap? Well, the middle class do. So the American dream is becoming a fallacy. It's becoming a concept, mm. but not really a reality. And that is where everything has to change. So in the pure sense, I, I think most people would agree that we're willing to pay extra money for not not just for people that are in need, but roads and infrastructure and all the important things that the government should be sustaining. Mm -hmm. uh, but what I see, and I'm not as exposed to the global system as you are, and maybe you can expand to the global system, but I, I think that where it gets frustrating is where your taxes don't go as far as they should because there's not a lot of diligence by the people we entrust with this labor. And, and so where do we change that? I've worked in government. I've managed grants, and, <laughs> yes. and I'm like, man, by the time we get to the project, <laughs> we, we had to spend all this money, and we haven't even gotten to the project yet. You're absolutely right. I mean, the, the the levels of accountability are extremely poor, extremely poor. Mm -hmm. and, and the bureaucracy is so this is where parts of government have to be big and parts of government have to be very small. So the decentralization of those funds is really important. Mm. The high levels of accountability to it. So if there is, I'm just, you know, using a number, if there is $10 million for a project, that $10 mm -hmm. million maybe has to come from local government. It might come originally mm -hmm. from, from the federal government, but it is gathered and managed by the local government at a high level of accountability. And that tends mm -hmm. to fail. And when that fails, it becomes red tape and it becomes a way to walk around a lot of these issues. So, We've got to become way more diligent about these things. We have to be way more in holding people a lot more accountable. Right. Right. And I think that the holding of people accountable is because we, I think it, it is meant to, to have greater success at a local level, but the accountability goes layers up. And so that's yes. where the bureaucracy happens, at least in my experience. Yes. And so I think the effort and all this, the checks and balances are intended for accountability, but I don't know how we, overwhelm ourselves with investing into this accountability that it becomes super bureaucratic. Is there a system that you're aware of where it actually works? Yeah, there, there are many systems that work and, and what they are is that there is an, there are bodies that take care of investigating that are independent. So I know where you come from in your, in your career world, but part of the challenge is that the police force is often only investigated by the police force. This is a problem. If the meatpackers union are the only ones who investigate the meatpackers union, that's a problem. So, you know, this idea, this understanding of having the objectivity that is so often missing. Now, let me be clear. When I say objectivity, I'm talking about informed objectivity, and this is vastly different. So, for instance, you may be familiar with that very recently, as in within the last few years, people like Mark Zuckerberg have sat in front of Congress mm -hmm. 
because right. because they're running a monopoly. And in the world of business, right. monopolies are not good for the rest of us. Okay, cool. Do I think Facebook have done well? Absolutely. Is some of that really good? Absolutely. Is some of it really bad? Absolutely. So we need an oversight committee. Okay, so we bring them in front of Congress. Fantastic. And the guy in Congress who's asking questions is saying, but how come this happens and how come that happens? And what he's really talking about is tech support. And he's talking to Mark Zuckerberg, who runs the largest social media platform in the world. And he's asking for tech support, clearly showing he has no understanding of the subject. You can't hold people accountable if you don't understand the subject. So that's part of the challenge. Having the right people in the right spots. And that's definitely a leadership issue right there. We could probably spend a whole podcast on that. You're absolutely right. That's exactly what it is. So, again, when I look at any of these problems, when I'm brought in to work with organizations or bodies, I will often, I just start and say, okay, what's the problem? They'll tell me the problem. And I go, no, it's not. What, what do you mean it's not? That's not the problem. Okay, what's the problem? Leadership. It's always leadership. It's always leadership. Now, how did the leadership come into place? Mm-hmm. Then we've got to, that, now we're back at accountability. Okay, so this person is the leader because of nepotism, and this person knows nothing about the subject. This person has to be removed. This person is a leader Mm -hmm. because they've moved through the ranks and they've spent a lot of time going through the ranks. Fantastic. They've definitely earned the position, but they're in a position where now they're fulfilling the Peter principle. They've been raised to the level of their incompetence. Let's talk about that a little bit more because that definitely happens a lot. And I I mean, I'm laughing, but it really isn't a laughing matter because people are impacted by this. Their daily lives are impacted by this. We've talked about corporations. It happens there. It happens everywhere. Mm -hmm. So can you elaborate on the Peter Principle? Yeah, I mean, let's just talk about the impact of it first. And the impact of it first is, again, not my opinion. This is there's much Gallup research on this and they're known as managers from hell. And that's not my words. That's Gallup. And so Uh what we know about that is that most people don't leave organizations. They leave bosses. And the reason they're leaving bosses is is for several reasons. First of all, Peter Principle, the person, for instance, was a phenomenal salesperson. Amazing. Did Mm -hmm. top sales for years. And they went, oh, my Mm -hmm. God, this person's great. Let's make them the sales manager. Well, Mm -hmm. they're terrible at all the paperwork. They're terrible at managing other salespeople. They're terrible at listening to other people's ways of doing it. And so they just become a terrible leader. That's the Peter principle Mm -hmm. is that you were raised up because you put in the dues, but you've not bothered to deepen your knowledge. That's number one. Now, on top of that, we have to look at, well, what is leadership? Leadership is not management. Management is management. Leadership is different than that. Are there aspects of management in leadership? Yes. Are there aspects of leadership in management? Yes. But they are different. So what is the difference? Managing is getting things done and getting the right people in place to do them so that you can check the box and get it done. Leadership Mm. is managing human beings and moving them towards a vision and an outcome. Vastly different. If you don't have emotional Mm. intelligence, if you've not developed your communication skills, if you've not developed how to communicate in a way that inspires and motivates that individual, not because you think you're inspiring, but because you know what inspires them and you've learned how to tap into what is the fuel in that human being, you're going to be a terrible leader. 
Mm, so good. So you've hit so much there, but let's start with emotional intelligence because you just mm-hmm. went there. We are just warming up with this amazing conversation. I can't wait for you to tune into the next part of our talk where we will do a deep dive on emotional intelligence. Thanks for listening to Powerful at Work Radio. If you subscribe now, you're going to hear weekly teachings to shift your perspective on how to thrive in the workplace and stories from experts and career professionals who are daring to do work differently. And we want to invite you to the conversation. Please subscribe to this podcast. And you can also visit us on Facebook and join the group Empower to Bloom Tribe, where you're going to find tons of resources to help you on your career journey and also interact with like-minded professionals. I'll see you there.